You are now listening to the Cruise Control Podcast here on SoundCloud and iTunes. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Happy to be back on the show as always. No problem, man. I always appreciate you coming on. Talk wrestling here on two out of three falls on the Cruise Control Podcast. Again, you can find the podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast. Give us a, a download, a rate, a comment, uh, subscribe to both SoundCloud and iTunes. Graham is on Bleacher Report at WrestleRant on Twitter and the host of WrestleRant Radio. So, um... I would say lots to talk about a couple things, you know, inside the ring and outside the ring. Uh, Not too sure where I want to start off, but uh, I guess we'll start off with, you know, some things with with Raw and SmackDown. Um, You know, Roman Reigns is the current Intercontinental Champion. He's been doing the the IC title challenge. Last week was Elias. This week it became Jason Jordan. But. I do want to get to something I, I, I think you also saw on the network, the interview with Corey Graves. Um, and the main line that Roman Reigns said was that he's the best performer in the world. And, you know, of course, people on Twitter are going to, you know, give their opinions. And uh, I think Roman Reigns is a very uh, polarizing character. Uh, me and you definitely know that. Either you love him or you hate him. Um, has Has had great matches in the past. I don't think we've reached the peak of Roman Reigns' career, but when he says he's the best performer in the world, um, I I don't think he's wrong about it. Some fans are just going to be like, I don't like Roman Reigns. He's been forced down our throats by, by the company and McMahon. He's always in the main event. He's going he's gonna to win every match. He's going to win every title, but... Are you more of a greens or a little in between when when Roman Reigns does say he's the best performer in the world? I did see the show. It was a great premiere for the Straight to the Source show with Corey Graves and Roman Reigns as his first guest. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I, I watched it on Tuesday. It premiered after Raw on Monday. That was all the talk on Twitter on Tuesday and Wednesday. Was that Roman Reigns called himself the best in the world? I wasn't angry. I didn't find myself agreeing with him. I just kind of laughed because. Not at what Roman Reigns said, but at the people's reaction to it. It's like, what do people expect him to say? Is he going to say that he's like the third best wrestler in the world? Of course he's going to believe, as he should, that he's the best wrestler in the world. If you don't think that, then you shouldn't be in the business. I mean, with a guy that has, has had as many success, as much success as he has, as a former multi-time WWE champion, the current Intercontinental champion, tag team champion, U.S. champion, of course he's had a great career in WWE and is a very good performer. Like you said yourself, and I tweeted this out on Monday after that awesome match with Jason Jordan, which I thought was one of the better bouts of the week in WWE, that um, the guy is a great performer. He delivers not only when it matters most, but even in these regular old TV matches, too. The matches with Brock Lesnar, Bray Wyatt, AJ Styles, all these guys have had great matches with Roman Reigns, and I think he's kind of followed in John Cena's footsteps and proving people wrong in that respect, that he's not a terrible wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I don't think he's the best in the world. Uh, people can debate all day long, whether it's AJ Styles or Kenny Omega or Okada or this guy or that guy. It's all subjective. Like, when you say that you're the best wrestler in the world, what are you talking about? Selling out arenas, having great matches, being a great mic worker? Like, that could mean a million different things. So people shouldn't get so bent out of shape about the comment. Obviously, he's going to say that. He said it before. He'll say it again. Um, you know, he always says he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's the guy. Because he wholeheartedly believes that. that. That's great for him, as he probably should. Mm-hmm. He is the guy in WWE. Or maybe not the guy. He's pretty close. Um, I still think it's John Cena, despite the fact he's taken a lesser role in the company in recent years. But the fact that he said that should not surprise anybody. I, do I think he's the best wrestler in the world? I do not. Um, I don't know if he even comes close in the top ten. But the guy is a great performer nonetheless. Now, I think what can throw people for a loop is that he said he said best performer. You know, he didn't say yeah. I'm the best wrestler in the world. So, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. if he flat out said I'm the best wrestler in the world, then everybody would be like, no way, AJ and other people. But 
is there a difference of the wrestler to performer aspect as what he was trying to, to talk about? There absolutely is, and I'm glad you brought that up because I've been saying this for years. Um, I mean, I think there's a real distinction. You can be both a great performer and a great wrestler, but I think Shawn Michaels, he could be called the greatest wrestler in the world, but I think without a doubt he should be called the greatest performer in the world because the guy can go in the ring, but he's also a great showman. He's got charisma. People love him. Everything about the character was awesome, too. And I think there's more to it than just being a great in-ring guy. Like, Roderick Strong from NXT is a great wrestler. Is he a great performer in terms of uh, getting the crowd pumped up and having an awesome character? Maybe not at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Roman Reigns, and as a wrestler, I mean, again, I think there is a distinction. When you see wrestler, the first thing that I think of is guys like Bret Hart or Ric Flair, people that could flat out go in the ring. Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan. Those guys can go in the ring and have awesome matches. And we're also great characters to boot. Roman Reigns, He's not going in there and doing a freaking, um, I mean, he's doing headlocks, but, like, he's not having Matt Classics in the ring. He can have a very good match. Like, him and John Cena at No Mercy, some people loved it. Some people hated it. I really enjoyed it because I didn't think it was a great wrestling match. It was a great entertaining atmosphere where they could pull off the big moves and do reversals and get the crowd pumped up and stuff like that. I think there's a real difference there. So I'm glad you picked up on that. The guy said that Roman Reigns said, um, that he was a great performer and one of the best performers in the world. Even by that, I don't think he's the best performer in the world. Um, but he, he, there is a definitely a difference there for sure. You know what, Graham? I, I, I really feel like no matter what he says, no matter what he does, if the fans, the fans are just not gonna, you know, gravitate to him. He can have a plus matches. He can main event WrestleMania. He could be a 15-time world champion, the bottom line is people are just not going to look at, at Reigns as the guy that that they like or they want to be champion. And I, I think it's kind of, I think it's very unfair because he's he's one of the guys who's there all the time. Uh, he, he, he busts his ass in, in every match, whether it's a Brock, whether it's a Strowman, it's a John Cena, it's a Seth Rollins, no matter who it is. But the guy goes out there, he performs very well. Um, it's not his fault that the company wants him to be the guy, and he's uh, a, a multiple-time champion. But I think no matter what he does and no matter how he does it, the fans are just going to be like, you know what, I just, I, there's something about Reigns I don't like, but he can just he can really do well. And the fans are, uh, the fans are just going to be like, that's not my guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it's a lot like with Roman Reigns that it was with John Cena, where no matter what he does, People are going to not like him regardless. I mean, I think turning him heel in the long run, which we've said a million times before, would greatly benefit him in terms of uh, his character work and stuff because his current character, if you can even really call it that, I mean, there's nothing all that likable about the guy. He's been getting better reactions lately in terms of, uh, um, in terms of people cheering him on recent Raws. But like he said himself on the show with Corey Graves, a reaction is a reaction. And that was the same mindset that John Cena had and it didn't alter his success any in the, in the 15 years he's been on top in WWE. So, yeah, there's some certain people that are not going to like whatever he does. The guy has come a long way since he debuted five years ago at Survivor Series. Like we talked about, he had a lot of he has had a lot of great matches. The guy can go in there and have an awesome match with an AJ Styles who is an IWC favorite, and people still won't care about him. See, people will still say, oh, he's an, aw- he's an awful wrestler. He sucks. He's this or that. Which, on the mic, I can kind of see he's not the greatest mic worker, but I think by this point, there should be no doubt that the guy can go in the ring with most opponents, maybe not every opponent, but most people, and have a very good to great match. Um, so, yeah, there's always going to be the detractors out there that hate Roman Reigns no matter what. And, um, I mean, I guess we'll see if he can win those people over with a heel turn, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon, if ever. If I, if I had to put you on a spot or, you know, you know, maybe you can answer next time, but if I ask you, cause, you know, like I said earlier, we haven't reached the peak of, of his career yet, but do you know definitively Roman Reigns' top three matches, whether it's a one-on-one match, a triple threat, fatal four-way, uh, I would like to primarily keep it one-on-one, but what are Roman Reigns' top three one-on-one matches that he's had? That's a great question. The first three that come to mind, I want to say, are definitely in the top three would be the AJ Styles match. I was there. I mean, they had, they had two of them. But the second match I was there for, 
at uh, in Newark, New Jersey, the Prudential Center at Extreme Rules 2016. That was a phenomenal match, one of the best of the year. Mm-hmm. So definitely that one. Um, I know, like you said, maybe not any four ways, but the three way with the Shield was very, very good at uh, Battleground last year as well. Mm-hmm. I think you'd also have to put the Brock Lesnar match from WrestleMania 31 in there. I mean, I know people okay. hate Roman Reigns and the build wasn't that great, but that was a great fucking match. I'm not looking forward to seeing a rematch at WrestleMania 34. I just don't think it's necessary. But um, I think those two worked very well together considering the circumstances of WrestleMania 31. And beyond that, I'm trying to think of other... I mean, the Cena match was good. I wouldn't call it one of his best matches ever. Um, I'm trying to think what else he's done like this year. The Taker match was not good at all. Maybe the Kevin Owens match. The Kevin Owens match in the Rumble with uh, Jericho in the cage and there was no DQ. That was an awesome match. And if not that one, maybe one of the Strowman matches. Uh, I, I remember specifically their ambulance match at Great Balls of Fire being very, very good. So any one of those outings, I would say, is among one of his best matches of his career in the last five years. All right, because I got I got a few in my head that you might have missed. I, again, I don't really recall the match ver- verbatim, but um, the two matches he had with AJ Styles, back-to-back pay-per-views, uh, Backlash and something else, um, I, I do I do it's recall those. Back in extreme rules. Okay, now did you mention those, or you did not mention those? Yeah, I mentioned the second one. Yeah, the second one was my first pick. I was there for that one. I remember it being very, very good. Okay. Now, what about the one he had with Daniel Bryan at like Fast Lane or something like that? I did not mention that. I forgot about that one. I could see that one being in the list as well. That was a very good match. All right, so I guess we're kind of in the same ballpark. Um, whether it's it's either going to be him and Daniel, him and uh. Him and Strowman, or him and um, Seth Rollins. I, I, I do like. I, I did like the one he had uh, against Seth, and then I think Ambrose. No, what happened? No, he. The one that Seth Rollins came back. Which one yeah, was the that? The one in the bank match they had one. One was very good. The one where Rollins won clean. They had the three way with Ambrose the next month. But yeah, okay. Ambrose and or uh, rather Rollins and Reigns had a match one on one at Money in the Bank last year too. Yeah, but they, you know what's so funny? That that just means he's been having a lot of good matches that I can't really remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any of those, and like you said, not really, not so high at including, like, multi-man matches in this list, but you also got to throw one. If you're including his entire career, no matter what the stipulation was, the Shield matches. I mean, the Shield matches with the Wyatt family and Evolution were fucking fire. Those were great matches, too. If we're just talking a singles career, yeah, then any of the aforementioned outings, but... His entire career, I would include the Wyatt family match from Elimination Chamber 2014 and either of the Evolution matches from uh, either Payback or Extreme Rules of 2014 as well. Mm. And I guess we're not we're not going to count him and Triple H, right, from 32? <laughs> him and H, him and uh, Undertaker, I would not put on that list, no. Uh, definitely not. Um, so on, on Raw, he had, I mean, you know, he's been doing the, uh, the Intercontinental Championship Challenge. Uh, he had Jason Jordan this week. I think that they they they've always had great matches, great chemistry in the ring. Um, what did you make of that match? And I, I, correct me if, if I'm wrong, because I, I, there was a freaking NBA game on. I forgot which one it was, but I, I, I was sidetracked. But I know he mentioned after Jason Jordan, I'm gonna get Samoa Joe, but he did not fight Samoa Joe on Monday, right? Yeah, no, I thought the match would happen. I figured that they would do this match, and they said that maybe Roman and Joe have their match later on in the night, which didn't happen, or we would get Jason Jordan and Samoa Joe, which again didn't happen. Uh, Samoa Joe just instead attacked Jordan after the match uh, backstage, so that never happened, yeah. All right, so um, I thought a pretty good match with Jason Jordan. Um, obviously, Roman Reigns did win the match. But what do you make of, the one, the match, and two, this um evolving, I think, evolving heel character for Jason Jordan going forward? I enjoyed both segments, both the match and the uh, pre-match segment with Jason Jordan and Joe and and, and uh, Roman Reigns. The match itself, like you said, was no surprise that in terms of uh, the fact that it was very good. They had a match on Raw a few months ago that uh, Jason Jordan had a great showing in. And the issue with him has never been in the ring. It's always been the character stuff and the fact he comes off very bland and there's nothing likable about him, but at least they're taking notice of that, the company is, and gradually turning him heel. Like you said, the slow evolution, the slow burn heel turn 
with Jason Jordan, I think, has been very well done so far. I mean, it's, it's so obvious they're turning the guy heel. The fact in every single segment, he's like, Dad, can I have a title shot? Dad, can I have this? Dad, Dad, Dad. Yeah. So obvious they're turning this guy heel. And it's, it's the best thing for him. I thought he came off like such an, an entitled jackass in that opening segment. It's like, God, I hate this guy so much. He can go in the ring, but it reminds me, ironically enough, of Kurt Angle when he first debuted in WWE. The guy, he's always been a great wrestler. But um, just as a character, the guy was such an asshole. But he came across like a good guy. And I think Kurt has said himself in past interviews that he wanted to be a heel because he knew the people would hate him because he was Olympic gold medalist and we hate that because he's better than us, whatever. Vince wanted to make him the all-American hero, which is apparently the same, uh, the same mindset that he had with Jason Jordan. And obviously it didn't work. So turning him heel is the best thing for him. I don't know where it goes you know, beyond this. Once he turns heel, I don't know where they go from there whether they do Jordan and Angle at WrestleMania or if they do something else with Jason Jordan. I'm not sure, but I am enjoying the slow burn. He'll turn, like I said, the match itself was great. Jordan had an awesome outing. Reigns had a great showing here. Kept the belt on Reigns and also transitioned and uh, progressed the feud with um, Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns by having Joe attack both guys afterward. You know, you you mentioned that, you know, he he reminds you of when Kurt Angle first got there. To me, he reminds me, I mean, again, also Kurt, but he he also reminds me of when Rocky Maivia got got in there. I think after a year and a half, the fans just weren't weren't liking the goody two-shoe good guy, always smiling and and happy and clapping and everything. And then the the fans just, you know, turned on him and calling, calling him names and, which eventually led the Rod to go to to the nation, but very similar, very young in their prime, and you know everybody had great hopes for him with the uh, American Alpha with Chad Gable, and now he's on his own on Raw. He's, he's whining, he's complaining, um, always going to quote unquote his dad Kurt Angle for for championship matches or competition, and very very similar to what the Rock was or Rocky Maivia was doing back in like ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah, absolutely, and they did the right thing in turning the guy heel because at first they thought he would get over as the blue chipper baby face and as this underdog, and obviously didn't work. And they did that for a while because the guy debuted at Survivor Series. They didn't turn him heel until well into 1997. Um, mm-hmm. So at least they're finally taking, you know, they're, they're taking notice of Jason Jordan, the reactions he's been getting, and it's been going on now for five months. It's been five months since he was revealed as uh, Kurt Angle's illegitimate son. So at least they're moving forward with the heel turn the best thing for him and like you said it's very shades of the rock from 96 and 97 and uh he, he looked like he looks like he can you know build that he can take that role very well as a heel much better as a baby face because the baby face whether it was an american alpha on his own or an nxt on his own the guy has just never been all that interesting he streams like the call wrestlers like the creative wrestlers in the wwe video games he comes, he comes across as so generic mm-hmm. but when they let him speak like they did on raw this week he comes across, like I said, an entitled jackass. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Rock or anything. You know, Rocky Maivia wanted to become one of the greatest superstars of all time. Um, but he has a much better chance of succeeding in the company as a heel than he ever has as a babyface based off the last five months of his work in the company. So now, please tell me we're not going to get any more Shield, Cesaro, Sheamus tag matches for the tag titles, uh, you know, did they had the rematch this this Monday? Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus won with the help of Samoa Joe and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. But now the Shield are, are no uh, are not are not the tag team champions. People thought that you know with, with Reigns being IC champ, Shield were going to be tag champions. Uh, apparently not, and I, I don't I don't sense a breakup. But just want to know, one, we're not getting no more Shield, Cesaro, Sheamus tag matches. And two, what what now for Seth and Dean Ambrose? You know, if you asked me that a week ago, heading into the rematch on Raw this week, I would have said, no, probably not. We would not be getting any more matches between the two teams. But based off what we saw at the end of Raw this week, I don't think the feud is yet over. Just oh, because man. they had their rematch, mm. uh, they restarted the match after the bar got themselves DQ'd, then Samoa Joe interfered, and that basically cost them the championship. So, to me, the next logical step would be to do a six-man tag team match with Joe in the bar, right. and then the entire field. Now, if you do that match, now Raw doesn't have a pay-per-view until the Rumble. So they could do that on Monday's Raw, or... 
They could drag this out for a few weeks, maybe on the first Raw of the year, which I think takes place on New Year's Day, or if they want to do it on Christmas. I don't know. But they could always do a six-man match with these six guys and do winners take all for the Intercontinental and Raw Tag Team Championships, which would absolutely either way ensure a new champion because the IC titles on Roman Reigns and the tag titles are on Sheamus and Cesaro. So maybe they did that finish on Raw to kind of prolong the feud a little bit longer between Ambrose, Rollins, Sheamus, and Cesaro. I, too, am ready to move on from this. I'm happy they're having great matches. I thought the Raw main event this week was very good. Um, But you've been having the same matches with these two teams for literally like five months now. They started feuding at the end of July, and they're still having matches. And it just Do we not have any more tag teams on Raw? I mean, we have the club. We're deader than dead right now. This is uh, Heath Slater and Rhino. There's not many other tag teams. The Hardy Boys and Revival are out at the moment. Um, so I'm not sure what else they could do in the tag team title picture, but I do not think we've yet seen the end of this feud between these two teams. I mean, they can take the, the, the Bludgeon Brothers off SmackDown's hands. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, SmackDown has a lot of tag teams. Even with the Hypros broken up, they have a lot of tag teams. So if they took the Bludgeon Brothers and put them on Raw back with Bray Wyatt, hey, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm I'm tired of seeing Cesaro Sheamus against the Shield. You, you do want to see different competition, but now when when you insert Roman and Samoa Joe, now you're gonna get Seth against Samoa Joe, and then you, you, you're gonna get Roman against Cesaro, and maybe Roman, well, Cesaro and Sheamus could be in, in the IC title challenge now because Roman's involved with this whole angle. Um, like you said, there's no pay per view for Raw until. The Rumble, SmackDown has the, the the next one this month with Clash of Champions. And then even after that, after the Rumble, I think Raw's up with um, e- either Chamber or Fastlane, right? Yeah, Raw has uh, Elimination Chamber this year. So what they've been doing every year is switching the pay-per-views back and forth. Mm-hmm. So Chamber's going to become a Raw pay-per-view, Raw pay-per-view in 2018 after being a SmackDown show in 2017. So mm. I think that's about a month after the Rumble. And then Fastlane isn't until, like, March 11th, so pretty close to WrestleMania for SmackDown. What's the likelihood that we we get this S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, but then, like, the reunion does not last as long? Where, let's say Dean and Seth want to continue getting the tag belts, and they keep losing, and they keep losing, where eventually you there's some dissension where Rome is going to be somewhere on WrestleMania fighting Brock or whatever, then the possibility of Seth and Dean Ambrose splitting up or having some differences and they go one-on-one at like WrestleMania. Is it, is it, do you think anything like that could be in the cards for, for both of them? Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. I think it's only inevitable before the uh, trio splits up again. They already teased it a week ago on Raw after Seth Rollins beats Cesaro in one-on-one action. Charlie Caruso interviewed Seth and is like, does this mean that the shield is on the verge of splitting up again? It's like, didn't they just get back like a month ago? Like, why are they already teasing a breakup? I know, right? It's going to happen eventually. I mean, Roman Reigns is essentially a lock to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. So um, it, it's pretty obvious that they won't be in six-man tag team matches for much longer. And that's assuming that we've had them for a while. We only really have had two Shield tag team matches. We had the one on Raw before the pay-per-view, then the one at Survivor Series. And beyond that, they've been doing their own thing. I know Roman as IC champion was a last-minute move because he had to go film his movie. But it's like, would it kill them to just have these people to come out in their S.H.I.E.L.D. gear? That's what they were doing when they first formed their first reunited at the end of October. Mm-hmm. We're having Ambrose and Rollins come out in their S.H.I.E.L.D. gear into the crowd. I haven't heard the S.H.I.E.L.D. theme song since probably Survivor Series, so I don't know what the hell they're doing. I think Ambrose and Rollins... Especially Rollins, he wrestled in his normal gear on uh, on Monday night. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing with the Shield. Um, I do think they will split up at some point between now and WrestleMania. I don't think you have to. I think you can keep the three of them a unit and then just branch off and do their own thing without doing another split. But I think the general consensus is that this will end with Dean Ambrose this time turning heel, which of the three of them, I mean, Roman should be a heel, but of mm-hmm. the three of them, I think Ambrose is long overdue. And him turning on Rollins again, or, or, you know, kind of serving as payback for Rollins turning on him so many years ago. I mean, it's nice storytelling, but I feel like I've seen Seth versus Dean a million times. So I'm not exactly sure if that's an intriguing WrestleMania match. But 
I do assume that's the direction they're going in on the road to WrestleMania with the three of these guys splitting up once again in the near future. I think the only way it, it becomes intriguing is if, like you said, Dean Ambrose goes here. I know we, we, we were on this show like a year ago saying, who are some people who needs a heel turn? And Dean Ambrose was definitely one of them. Still to this day, I'm like Sasha Banks got to gotta go go back to being heel. And a year later, they're still, you know, good guys, you know, good good, uh, good people. So um, if Dean can tease a heel turn but not fully going 100% where he just tired of you know losing and blaming Seth for the re- the recent losses and just you know get that one match out the way and then fine but my thing is you know last year Seth Rollins was world champion or a year and a half ago before the injury he was he was champion so it's same as Dean Ambrose now they're you know I wouldn't say demoted but they, they're relegated to, to 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 the tag team scene and it's like all right fine i don't mind you being tag team guys but if you're gonna you've been fighting the same people for like four or five six months now yeah they gotta switch things up i mean again they have great matches which is cool but they really got to move forward they got to incorporate some new tag teams get some fresh blood in the tag division on raw smackdown the fact they have four or five teams in their upcoming tag title match with pay-per-view doesn't excite me that much but at least they have teams to work with between the Usos and New Day and Gable and Benjamin, now Rusev Day, they have Bludger and Brothers, the Ascension, Brazango, the Clones. That's like seven fucking tag teams right there. Not even including Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So they have a lot of tag teams on SmackDown. Raw could use the work. Uh, Jeff is out right now. Scott Dawson is still out. So they, they took a hit with people getting hurt, which sucks. But they got to do something because this division cannot revolve around these two teams forever. Um, but yeah, Dean's another guy, like you said, that should have been healed a while ago, but I feel like certain circumstances keep on getting in the way. They'll turn certain people before others. Like with Sasha, I think it was, it's pretty likely that she would be a heel right now. Mm. If they didn't move Alexa to Raw. They probably were gonna, they were probably going to turn her about a year ago, but because Charlotte was still there and then she moved to Smack, then we got Alexa Bliss. So Alexa Bliss is a new top heel. And they were probably going to turn Sasha before SummerSlam a few months ago. And then uh, Bailey got hurt. They couldn't do that feud. Right. And then they brought back Age as a heel, and we have them. It's like, at this point, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Mm. Probably won't happen for another at least six months, unless they move it to SmackDown. Um, so, I mean, these people will be heel in time. Like, how many years did it take fucking Dolph Ziggler to go heel? So they kind of waited <laughs> well past. Um, the prime time is to turn them. But, yeah, they, they do seem like Ambrose and Sasha specifically. They're still popular. They're still getting great reactions, which I'm sure is why they're not sweating over not turning them because they still sell merch and they're popular, but I feel like his characters, they're very stagnant. And at least Dean Ambrose has the shield right now, but Sasha should have turned yesterday because she is just beyond stale in this current character. Now, is it me? or I know I've mentioned many times where Dolph Ziggler resembles Shawn Michaels with the ring and, I mean, you know, in-ring work and character, but... On Tuesday, you know, kind of switching to SmackDown real quick. He he really resembles Shawn Michaels with that with, with the with the camouflage hat. He got the beard, the ponytail, the orange tan. And I'm like, is is that Dolph or is that Shawn Michaels on my TV screen? Yeah, I saw someone tweet out the same thing. A picture, a side by side comparison. I'm like, holy shit, this guy is really taking it a little too far with the Shawn Michaels comparison and the impersonation. I mean, we even saw Dolph Ziggler himself come out to. Uh, the sexy boy Shawn Michaels theme song on SmackDown when he yeah. did impersonations a few months ago. And I thought that was the peak, but no, we, we saw it on Tuesday. It's becoming a bit disturbing at this point, I will say. To wrap them uh, on Raw real quick, three 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 quick things. Um, and I guess I'll just put them all together in one, in one question. Um, this Nia Jax with um, Enzo thing backstage... <laughs> it looked kind of <laughs> like she was trying to hit on him and he was like like what the fuck <laughs> and then it was that this whole absolution thing with, with Paige and you know she beat Sasha and um and then this woken Matt Hardy with Bray Wyatt stuff so um, it's three questions in one can you kind of quickly talk about those three kind of ordeals so I'll start with the bad first. The Nia Jackson Enzo stuff. Mm. Good God. I mean, I don't know if you saw the report, um, but 205 Live is touring starting next year. They're touring in Poughkeepsie, New York. Hmm. I 
think somewhere in Rhode Island, and um, in Lowell, Massachusetts, and it's going to be headlined by Enzo Amore versus Kalisto mm-hmm. for the Cruiserweight Championship with Nia Jax as the special guest referee. Oh, if that doesn't make you want to go to these shows, I don't know what will. I'm going to spend 50 bucks on hard-earned money to go to a fucking Cruiserweight show with Nia Jax serving as the special guest referee in the main event. I'm, I'm all set. I'm, I'm good. I'm all set on wasting my money. So that's all i got to say about that. That's probably one of the dumber things. I know what they're trying to do and trying to make people watch 205 Live and they want to keep Nia Jax out of the absolution angle, but it's like, mm-hmm. does, it, does it always have to come down to the romance angles with these people? And they're not terrible storylines, but this company does such a poor job with them. It was no more than a freaking year ago that we had Alicia Fox with Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander, and that was terrible. Mm-hmm. That was atrocious television. So yeah. I don't know how this will be any different. So that's my two cents on that. Uh, the absolution stuff, I'm liking it so far. They're coming across very well. The Paige Sasha Banks match. I thought it was great. Page one, as she should have. I like the subtle teases for Page and Oscar down the road. And now Absolution is just giving no fucks and attacking everyone. It's, it's, when we talk about the tag team division needing fresh blood, Absolution was the absolute answer to the lack of fresh blood in Raw's women's division. I can only take Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James or Alexa Bliss versus Sasha or Bailey for the millionth friggin' time. So bringing these three women in has been a breath of fresh air by far for this uh, Raw women's division. And then for the Woke and Matt Hardy stuff, uh, it's great. I mean, I can go on for hours about it, but I'm, I'm very happy. He's bringing the character from TNA to WWE. It's off to a very strong start. He got a great reaction online in the arena. How far it'll go is the real question, because it's not a WWE-produced gimmick. It's something that Matt did himself in another company. Right. So we'll see. Um, but it is promising. What we saw on, this, on Raw this week with the attire, the accent, the, the verbiage of the promo... If he is given at least a hint of creative freedom over this character, it should go very well. And you know what? It just might make me care about Bray Wyatt again. We will see, but I thought that was one of, if not the best part about Raw this week. I just, I, I, I just feel bad for Bray because they're not going to bring this woken Matt Hardy character to, to life and have him lose to Bray Wyatt. So I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, we're going down the road where Bray is going to probably lose to Matt Hardy. And it's like, man, is this guy going to ever get a break? Yes, that is true. If I had to choose who has to go over between two, it has to be, it, it's got to be Matt Hardy. But I did see someone pitch the idea of possibly tearing the two up, which would be kind of cool. I mean, it'd be better than a feud because the feud might be cool with the promos like we saw in Raw this week. But you know the matches are going to be fucking duds. I, I, I can't imagine the matches are going to be that great. But if they put them as a tag team, like, the tag team with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton that we talked about uh, quite a bit here in the show about a year ago when it first happened was the best thing that ever happened to Bray Wyatt. It was such great TV. They had awesome chemistry, and uh, I, that ended way too soon, I thought. So putting these two guys together, because I'm not sure how far Matt Hardy's going to go on his own. He's not going to be winning the WWE Championship with his character, mm-hmm. if, even without the character either. So I think just putting these two guys together and kind of tying back into what we were talking about before with the tag team division, Woken Matt or Woken and Wyatt versus The Shield or The Bar could be a lot of great TV in terms of promos and matches. So that's what I would do. I saw someone pitch that, and I thought it was a great idea. It's a lot better than doing a one-on-one feud, but I guess time will tell. So if if the Woken Matt Hardy gimmick is in full effect by the time Jeff Hardy comes back, how do they bring Jeff back into the fold? Well, what they did when, so I don't know if they're copying the same formula what they did in TNA, but when Matt started doing the woke and stuff in TNA, Jeff was out hurt. Mm. So when Jeff came back, he took exception to it. They feuded. Now we've seen Matt and Jeff feud a million fucking times. So I could probably do without seeing that happen again in WWE at the age of 40, both guys are at this point. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably good on seeing another Jeff and Matt match at WrestleMania. Uh, 34, nine years after their last WrestleMania match, but they could just bring Jeff back and have him be broken from the get-go, and the Brother Nero stuff was also great. I mean, or they could just put him on SmackDown or whatever, um, ship him to another show, and have him be a single star, because you know he's got a lot of untapped attention on the main event scene and stuff. So I guess time will tell, but um, either way, I'm very excited to see what they do with Jeff when he's brought back into the fold. Well, Grant, when it comes to the, to the, to the WWE, don't forget, 40 is the new 30, so... 
That is accurate. We did have a 40, what, a 55-year-old world champion in Goldberg a couple months ago. So, hey, anything's possible. He's not 55, man. <laughs> he's 50. He's got to be 50. He's 50-something. He's, he, he's 51 now. But we did have a, a plethora of 40-plus-year-olds in the main event at Survivor Series, though. That is true. This is the like the, the year of old-timers in WWE. Yeah, so right. you are right. The, the 50s, the new 40 or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. The veterans making their comeback now. Before I get to SmackDown, I did want I did want to ask you something where I did want to put you on a spot because I you know in my email uh, a thing came up Bleacher Report and you know going back to Roman something something that you actually wrote and I read that the the headline saying that Ro- Roman Reigns is the wrong star to elevate the Intercontinental Championship. Um, I, I I now want to ask you. Why do you feel that Reigns is not is not the guy to elevate that title? So, like we were talking about before, it's not that he's a bad performer. The guy the past two weeks has had matches. It's not that he's a bad performer or he's not mm. a freaking Shawn Michaels in the ring. I mean, neither was The Miz, and he held that belt with uh, great pride. The reason I feel like Roman Reigns is the wrong guy to hold the championship is the timing really more than anything else. Because like I said, it's very obvious he will not be champion for a long period of time. He's not taking that title to WrestleMania. We're not getting a winner-take-all match with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Maybe they go that route. I highly doubt it. So we know he's not holding the championship for a long time. It's a temporary thing. But we've seen this time and time again. John Cena was probably the, the, the closest we ever came to having a very prestigious mid-card championship when he held that U.S. belt a few years ago. Mm. Beyond that, whether it's, I mean, The Miz also makes the belt feel important, but he, the weekly open challenges, he wasn't doing that. that. The belt was not defended at Survivor Series or TLC or SummerSlam. So The Miz is a great champion, um, but he wasn't doing a lot to light the world on fire with that belt. So whether it was The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, EJ Styles, Kevin Owens, now Baron Corbin, they've done so many of these people, had so many of these people hold these secondary titles, and it does not do, does not make a lick of a difference. And they're not, you know, devalued, and they don't feel like, um, they don't feel like wastes, but they're not as important as they probably should be. And I just don't think, the reason why they put the belt on Roman Reigns was not to elevate the title. It was just to give him something to do and give the belt a certain holder for the time being before Miz comes back in a few weeks or months or whatever it might be. So that's why I felt that way. It's not because I have anything against Roman Reigns. Like I said earlier, I like Roman Reigns. Mm. But uh, it's just because the timing is way off because you know he's not going to be holding that championship long term. And because uh, they obviously did not put the belt on him to elevate the belt the same way they put it on Cena a few years ago. They just put it on Roman Reigns simply because they had no other option. So your best bet where Roman Reigns loses the IC title uh, Royal Rumble time or the, the, the pay-per-view after the Rumble, before Mania, you think, right? Probably, the, yeah, the February pay-per-view, I would say, at Elimination Chamber. Unless he's in the Chamber match, I mean, I guess I could see him. So I don't want to see Roman. We all know Roman's facing block, like I said, at WrestleMania. It's, it's almost comical at this point because we know it's going to happen. They might as well have announced it like they did with Rock and Cena because we've known this match is going to happen even before WrestleMania this year. But um, they could have Roman not win the Rumble again. That would be a fucking disaster. And uh, I'm going to be there. I would be very pissed if that happened. So I would be very happy if they had him just win the Elimination Chamber instead because that's a Raw pay-per-view. They could just do that. So he wouldn't be able to drop the championship there. Maybe they have him drop it between then and WrestleMania, but I feel like it wouldn't give whoever wins the belt, enough time to enter a feud in time for Mania. So, yeah, any time between the Rumble and Mania, I feel that he will drop it at that point, yeah. Graham, if they were smart, they would have, again, depending on the opponent, they would have Roman Reigns drop the Intercontinental Championship at the Royal Rumble only because of where it's at. And it's in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. And we all know what happened last time when, when, when Reigns won something in Philly and I was the Royal Rumble two years ago and, and the crowd just shitted on him. Now, you walk in there, you walk into Philly with the Intercontinental Championship against whoever, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, whoever, and that crowd is going to be so hostile that they can't wait to the moment that somebody else is the new Intercontinental Champion and, and that crowd will go crazy when, when Reigns loses, but... Deep down, they would they they're gonna have to know 
that reigns in like two, three months is quite possibly going to be the world champion. So I, I, you, you, you get that crowd reaction when he loses at, at, uh, at rumble in Philly, but would they go that route? Would they have somebody substantial to, to, to fight him at the rumble? Because again, um, there's no pay-per-view this month. How long can they build Samoa Joe and, and, and Reigns um, and, and stuff like that? So I think the Rumble could be the prime the prime time to get the belt off of him, get a, get a real good opponent. Like I mentioned, Finn Balor. It could be Elias. It could be Samoa Joe. But in Philly, hostile crowd, they, they don't really, you know, really like Reigns that much. I think it's a prime time to, to, to really get that belt off of him at the Rumble in Philly. Definitely. And you said who's a viable opponent. You said it right there. Probably Samoa Joe. Um, if they could drag up the few, they could do a match on Raw and have it end in a no contest or do the title change. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say the title change for the show, which would, I don't want to say concern me, but just because he loses the belt on that show, it doesn't mean that he's done for the night. He can always come back in time for the main event and win the Rumble. Exactly. Which again, would be disastrous. Like, oh, man, we got to finally get a new IC champion. That's great. We all hate Roman Reigns. Then he comes back out and wins the Rumble. Could you imagine the reaction to that? <laughs> like, oh, man, I thought we were off the hook. the second Rumble. I would not be surprised if they went that route. I hope not. They could do what they did last year. I mean, Roman Reigns has played such a big role in every Rumble for the past, like, five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have him be one of the final few and make people think he's about to win. And then, like, Shinsuke Nakamura, I hope, or someone, like, throws him over the top rope and the crowd just goes fucking nuts. But yeah, they got to do something significant with Roman at the pay per view, considering his history from three years ago, where it was a complete train wreck. I would love it for Reigns to be in the Rumble and come out at number thirty again. Oh God, not again, not again! I mean, actually, it would be pretty fitting if he dropped the championship to Samoa Joe, because remember when he came out at thirty, a lot of people were hoping it would be Samoa Joe, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't happen until the next night. So it's kind of playing off that history from a year ago. Um, yeah, it would be pretty comical if he came out at number thirty after. The last number of years and, and the role that he's played, he, he's come out at number one. He's come out at thirty. He's come out in the middle. Roman Reigns is like the new Mister Fucking Royal Rumble of all these appearances and how close he's come yeah. to winning it so many times in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, is it a lock that Nakamura is going to be one of the top two, three guys that are, you know, penciled in to win the Royal Rumble? I don't think so. I mean, it was only really rumored by fans. It's never been an official. It's never been officially reported. Um, just because, I mean, not the more has hardly been on TV in recent months anyway. That's why I find it hard to believe that he might win. I just think it makes the most sense if AJ retains the title against um, against uh, against Jinder at the pay per view. So to me, it makes the most sense. But what makes sense to me might not make sense to WWE. So I guess we'll see. Um, but if it's not Nakamura and if it's not Roman Reigns, I'm not sure who else it could be. I mean, they could put the belt back on Jinder and give Cena a Rumble win, which would be, again, probably even worse than Roman winning. That would be a fucking disaster. But um, I don't know. I mean, Nakamura, maybe Cena, Roman, beyond them, there's not many obvious candidates, which would make this Rumble all the more unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. But for me personally, I would put it on Nakamura. I think having him win the Rumble and going on to face AJ Styles and Mania would make the most sense, and it would be finally, after like five years or so, be a satisfying conclusion to a Royal Rumble match. All right, going to SmackDown real quick. Um, who Who's the bigger heel, Graham? Da- Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon? Of the two, so far it's been Shane, but I wouldn't be surprised if they turned Bryan just because it looks like they might be headed that direction. All right, so now I can... I've seen Shane as a heel before, also Daniel Bryan. But like having, you know, we were always so we were always so tired of having a heel authority with Hunter and and Stephanie on Raw, and to have anybody between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon as a heel on SmackDown, uh, authority wise, you know, you, you just don't want to go down that go down that road again because we've seen it so many times. But like having a heel with Shane McMahon authority figure or heel Daniel Bryan, like, like how do you, how do they work that where possibly Shane gets a match with somebody at Mania or there's no guarantee Daniel Bryan is going to come back. We keep hearing sometimes yes, sometimes no, but like what's the benefit of having a heel authority with Shane or, or Daniel Bryan? Well, 
there's none. I mean, just like you said, I mean, with these guys, that we've seen it before on Raw with Triple H and with Stephanie McMahon. We've seen it a million times over on Mondays, and I feel like that was the one good part about SmackDown where they didn't have a heel authority figure on the show for so long. So, I mean, doing the same thing on SmackDown, to me, is just ridiculous. And also doesn't help that neither of these guys are natural heels anyway. They, neither of these guys have been heels in forever. Daniel Bryan is beloved. Shane McMahon is equally beloved. So why would you screw that up and turn one of them heel? And doing a Bryan and Shane match, assuming Bryan can come back in the ring, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But let's say that's the match they do at WrestleMania. What's on the line? Why should I care? That's not a match that intrigues me at all, to be honest with you. Um, so I, it looks like they're trying to tease tension where it's headed. I don't know. Um, like I wrote in an article for Bleach Report the other day, maybe this is hinting at a possible departure from the company for Brian. But beyond that, if it's leading to a heel turn for either one of them, if he, let's say Brian turned heel and he aligns with KO and Sammy, how would people be able to boo that? That seems like a, an easy group to cheer. That yeah. To me. So I, I'm not really liking this current storyline because I think it takes the attention away from the talent and puts it on the authority figures, which is just not necessary at all. I like I like how SmackDown, you know, I'm not saying SmackDown was a really great show, but I, I like how they kind of um, set you up for what's to come at Clash of Champions uh, with the rivalries and the storyline that they kind of, you know, made you get ready for that. I think Clash is next week. Right now, there's only five matches on the card. I know we'll, we'll do the preview next week, but uh, right now, solidified as far as the Clash of Champions card, um, AJ versus Jinder for for the world title. Um, we have Charlotte versus Natalia for the women's title in a, a, a lumberjack match. We have KO and Sami Zayn against Randy Orton and Nakamura. So that's three. We have a triple threat match for the U.S. title with Baron Corbin, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. And a fatal four-way tag team match, New Day Usos, Rusev with Aiden English and Shelton Benjamin with Chad Gable. Um, five matches again, clash of champions. So you knew every every title was going to be on the line. It's a whole lot of people in these matches. Um, what are your thoughts on the card? If it stands this way with five matches, I think on paper it sounds like it looks like a pretty solid card. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a solid card on paper. I just don't find myself too excited for it. I mean, a lot of these matches, they just announced three of them out of nowhere on the on the website a few days ago. Mm. Like for the women's match, Charlotte Natalia. Okay, could it be good? Yeah. But here's my issue with that match. We literally just saw the same rematch. Where Charlotte won the belt, that's fine. Mm. They had a rematch on SmackDown a few weeks ago. And it ended in a no contest. Why? Because the Riot Squad got involved. So what they do is they hold a rematch of the pay-per-view, and they do a freaking lumberjill match where the women are around ringside, where it's basically encouraging them to interfere again. Mm. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why would you do that? So I, that didn't make much sense. I'm not looking too forward to that match. And then for the U.S. title, they have Dolph Ziggler in the match. And the guy hasn't been on TV since Halloween. And, and he hasn't even won in, like, two months. So the booking of that match doesn't make any sense either. And then A.J. and Jr. would seen. And it might be a fine match, and I hope AJ wins. I don't know. For me, it seems like a real filler pay-per-view before the Rumble, and I'm glad my expectations are low because that makes me think that maybe they'll exceed them with a good show. But as of right now, I'm just not too hopeful. But the only match I am looking forward to, even though we've seen it before on SmackDown, is Owens and Zayn versus Orton and Nakamura with the stipulation that if the heels lose, they get fired. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but there's a lot of – you know, combustible elements in that matchup. Maybe they have Shane's going to be the special guest referee. Yeah. Maybe they have Orton go heel, or Shane screws one of them. I'm not sure where they're going with it, but I am excited to find out. Um, so that's the match I'm most, most looking forward to. But I'm hoping an underwhelming card on paper for me leads to a better than expected event uh, coming December 17th. Yeah, I, I, I I'm trying to recall if they left anybody off. I'm trying to remember if. Again, there's a lot of people in these matches. Five matches uh, for for the SmackDown card. There's no other championship matches that they have. So, again, on paper, it looks pretty solid. Matches that we've seen before, yes, with AJ and Jinder is one of them. Uh, KO and Sammy, Sammy against Orton and Nakamura. Uh, Shane McMahon being the wild card, the question mark, and that match being the special guest referee. 
Charlotte uh, Natalia being a match that we've seen so many times. The rude Corbin Ziggler can be a little interesting. Um, would you have been more satisfied if that match would have been left one-on-one with, with Bobby and, and, and Corbin as opposed to a triple threat? The thing with Ziggler is that, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know if I'd be more interested. I mean, Rude and Corbin's a fresh match. I'm not sure how good it would be one-on-one because what we saw on Tuesday was dreadful. It went only three minutes, but it wasn't good at all. So I think adding Ziggler to the mix makes it a better match. But from a booking standpoint, the guy doesn't deserve it, and you know he won't win. Mm-hmm. That's my only issue with it. It's, it's kind of a lose-lose because without Ziggler, does anyone really care? Probably not. But with Ziggler, it's a better match on paper but it just doesn't make any sense. And they already wrapped up the Rude Ziggler feud anyway. Um, but I hope Rude comes out of it as the champion. Corbin is champion. I like Corbin, but they have not booked him the way they should have. Um, so I guess we'll see. But so far, I'm looking forward to um, hopefully Rude picking up the championship and maybe putting Ziggler in that match. Means they're going to have Rude pin Ziggler as opposed to pinning Baron Corbin. I think I think that the, the tag title match could be interesting. Again, that, that, started, out, that started out as a triple threat match, and Aiden... English and Rusev got added on on Tuesday, so he, you know, just another. Here you go. Here's a four, four way now. Um, I mean, not saying it's kind of predictable, but I think the only ones that can make you scratch your head, like you know, how is it going to finish? Is that tag match with, with Orton and Nakamura, Sammy and KO? I I don't think Jinder's going to win the uh, win the the belt back. I think Usos retain the title. Um, I think it's too quick to take the belt off Corbin already. Um, and I don't think Natalia's gonna beat Charlotte. So, um, but that's the card. Am I missing anything worthy from SmackDown outside the main event? They handcuffed KO on the uh, on on the rope, and he got out. Daniel Bryan told him he was gonna get handcuffed. I don't know. As you mentioned, they're planting seeds for some kind of heel turn or whatever. But, um. Anything notable that I'm missing from SmackDown? Um, not really. I mean, it was mostly about the belt of the pay-per-view. So they didn't really do much else in terms of uh, it being a newsworthy night. But I will say in terms of the pay-per-view coming up and what else they might add with the five matches, like you said, four of them are title matches. And then they have the tag team. I don't know if it would be the main event, but with Owens and Zane and Nakamura and Orton, um, I would assume they're going to add Raleigh and Ryder as a kickoff match, which... I'm sure all of five people would care about, but they started to build that on Tuesday too. So throwing that, maybe like Bludger and Brothers versus Brazongo. And yeah, you have yourself a pretty decent card. I'm not sure what else they would add, but like you said, it feels like a SmackDown WrestleMania by incorporating, they're pretty much putting everyone from the show on the card, um, which I'm not sure I agree with, because I think it'd just be better with one-on-one matches, not like multi-team matches and mm. triple threats and lumber gels and all this other garbage, but Hopefully, right. hopefully they exceed expectations. All right. Um, I did want to get to three things outside the ring. Um, and, and one one of them is going to be pertaining to one of these matches with Charlotte and, and Natalia. Um, you know, rumor has it that Ronda Rousey is finalizing details to, to come to the company uh, from the UFC. Um, if it happens, we, we just don't know when. I, I'm assuming they're doing this because WrestleMania season is, is, is upon us. Um whether before Rumble, maybe she might come at the Rumble and just kind of plant the seeds to something that'll happen at WrestleMania. If finalized, I would say when it is. Um, what's the best way to 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 utilize her? Because at, at the same time, we keep mentioning Charlotte and Natalia, and if Charlotte holds on to that belt, I think she's the only one for now that if Ron is going to come in and have a big match or have a match at all, do something, it'll be the top female on the SmackDown roster, which right now happens to be Charlotte. So how, what's the best way to utilize Rousey if and when she finalizes that deal? Yeah, no, I would do the same thing. Um, I know it's been rumored for a while they might do the four horsewomen of MMA and the four horsewomen of WWE against each other, but... Two of the women aren't really that much. They're not big names at all. So I'm not sure. I mean, one of them is Roderick Strong's wife, but I'm not sure how much experience she has. Shayna Baszler, the one that was in the finals of the Mayan Classic, I think is set to debut in NXT soon, but they wouldn't bring her to NXT for a month before bringing her up to the main roster. And Rousey's not even here yet. 
Um, so like you said, I agree. I would just do Rousey and Charlotte. I think Rousey and Oscar down the road would be great. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte would be a good match, if only because Ronda Rousey is not an established wrestler. So if anyone can carry her to a good match, it would be Charlotte Flair. And Charlotte doesn't really have an obvious opponent for Mania at this point. Like, what, Charlotte and Carmella? That's not really WrestleMania-worthy. And it would also help us get away from, like, the multi-women matches we see at WrestleMania every year, which is so predictable. So, yeah, I would assume Rousey and Charlotte would be the match they do. I don't know how they get there. But that's kind of the exciting part because I'm not sure when she would arrive, and hopefully the next few months before Mania. No, I mean I, I just mentioned Charlotte out the blue. We have no idea if if Rousey comes in and they determine Raw or SmackDown. I, I I really don't know, but who who would benefit from Rousey more? I know the company would as a whole, but Raw or SmackDown, I doubt should be on both. But when it comes to Raw SmackDown, who would benefit from having Rousey more? Definitely SmackDown. I mean, even with the new influx of talent in both shows, Raw is pretty stacked. I mean, with, besides Absolution, they have Sasha Banks, Bailey, Nikki James, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, who hardly counts, but it's still a member of the <laughs> roster. Um, and then SmackDown, they only really have Charlotte in terms of star power. Becky Lynch is there and Naomi, but... The heel side is super lacking. Like, they don't have any good heels at all. Uh, so Ronda Rousey being a good, solid heel for the women's division on staff, I think would be the best fit for her. Are you, how intrigued are you to see how she does in the ring, Ronda Rousey? I think she would do well. I mean, she's a long-time wrestling fan. She obviously has experience in the MMA world. I'm not sure if, she'd be a, if she would be the Brock Lesnar of the women for WWE, but... I mean, before recently, before she got knocked out in 90 seconds, whatever it was, about a year ago, she had a pretty unstoppable aura about her, which is still worth something to WWE, despite the fact she hasn't hasn't had as much buzz recently in the last, like, two years or so. Mm. Um, But I am intrigued to see how she does. If she's in there with a good opponent like Charlotte or Asuka, I think she could be carried to a good match. I think, to me, as long as they don't have her come in, build a match, and then she wins in, like, 15 seconds. Yeah, no, that would be a mistake. I yeah. think if they save her first match for WrestleMania, it's got to be built up as a big attraction. It can't be over mm. 10 seconds unless she's squashing, like, uh, Tamina or something. So, yeah, it's got to be a lengthy marquee match. Now, she 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 kind of pivots to my next point. Um, two more quick points before I let you go. Um, I did a tweet earlier in the week uh, just going through random wrestling stuff, and I came across the, the press conference between Shawn Michaels, Mike Tyson, and Stone Cold from WrestleMania 14. And I thought it was thought it was funny when Tyson was telling Stone Cold, you gotta, you know, you, you're always mad, you're always angry, you gotta stop fighting people, try loving somebody. And I, and, I, and I put it up. And then a few people hit me up saying, you know, it's amazing how the wrestling doesn't do these press conferences no more as how it was portrayed back in the day with Tyson, Stone Cold, and and Sean to hype up a WrestleMania main event or, you know, just in general. And, you know, you've been a long-time fan. I, I've been a, a, a longer-time fan. But what's the – if you had to pinpoint a couple of reasons why the company does not do these kind of press conferences to build up a, a, a big-time main event at a WrestleMania or whether it's SummerSlam or Royal Rumble – um, what are the main reasons why they just don't do these things anymore like they did for WrestleMania 14, regardless of whether it's a, a celebrity involved or not? I'm not sure, but I wish they would, though. Because it definitely adds to the match, like with Stone Cold and Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania 15 or 14, whatever it was. Um, yeah, 14. So, I think, yeah, they should definitely do more of them. They did a few in recent years. The last time I remember them doing one was for uh, Mania 30. Because I remember Brock, or not Brock, um, I think it was Daniel Bryan, Batista, and Orton going at it to hype up their triple threat match for the title. Mm-hmm. And it added a lot to the match. Like, it made me even more excited for the match than it was before. So, like you said, doing the old friggin' contract, signing the face of faces on Raw and SmackDown. How many times have we seen that? We see at least one or two of those every single month on WWE programming. So, yeah, switching it up, making a mania main event feel more uh, bigger, giving it a bigger fight feel than it already has with the use of a press conference will be an awesome idea. Why they don't do them, I'm not sure. I don't think it would cost any more money either. It's not like you got to add in video packages or, you know, pyro or something. Like, they mm-hmm. take away certain stuff like that because of money concerns. 
but I'm not sure if a, a press conference would be, uh, you know, a, a financial disaster for them. So I'm not sure, but they should definitely do one time for Mania 34. I doubt it, but it'd be cool if they did. Hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it just adds that, that, that sense of realism, like, hey, you know, we're yeah. going to have a world championship match, and these two girls or two guys don't like each other for the world title. we got a special guest referee, and, and you know, like maybe, you know, like when, when The Rock and Cena did that thing a, a, a year in advance, that could have been a prime time to do some kind of press conference. Rock was still acting. Uh, he still is, but, like, he, he you know, he wasn't active in wrestling for, for, for so long. And now he comes back and Cena and this and it, it, that could have been a proper conf- a press conference to do it. And, and and this topic brings me, brings me back to Ronda Rousey. If she comes in and when she comes in, it can't just be like again to to hype up a match. I know she'll probably be at the Rumble, she'll be at ringside, whatever, and say, "Oh, Ronda Rousey's in a crowd," and she'll probably get hit by one of the girls, or she's talking shit to somebody, and she. You know, I get that. But when she's going to actually wrestle, it can't just be, like you said, a contract signing in the middle of the ring. It can't be, um, you know, some kind of one-on-one with Michael Cole in the back. And same thing with with, with Floyd and and Big Show back in the day, which could have been a press conference, but, hey, it it is what it is. But when she comes in, it can't just be the the typical wrestling norm of what they've been always known to do. I think a press conference would work in that kind of environment, especially with her coming from UFC to to uh, to, to 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 wrestling. But would they do it? Probably not. But I think that'll add a different dynamic to one of the biggest stars from a different sport now coming to coming to your to your company. Absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be a great vehicle for Ronda Rousey, um, especially like you said, to give more realism to the angle. If you have her on the press conference, if you were to do one, and then, like, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, which, again, is a lot for the show next year, Definitely. I think that'd be a pretty musty press conference. You can stream it on the network. Like, that's a perfect freaking use of the network. So exactly. why would they do that? I'm not sure. Like I said, I know they did one for Mania 30, but that was three or four years ago. So doing one again in time for Mania 34 would be a great idea. Like you said, if they only think like us, <laughs> they would do things like yeah, us, right? exactly. If only, yeah. Um, my last point, you know, I like throwing at throwing at you, you know, anniversaries of events or wrestling matches or pay per view. So today we are we are taping this on Thursday, December seventh, twenty seventeen, and twenty years ago today, we had the In Your House Degeneration X pay per view. I'm not saying it's one of the greatest of all time, but it it, it was. I would say I would say monumental where it's the first pay-per-view in the true post Bret Hart era. Uh, he, he did leave at the Survivor Series the month prior. He goes to WCW. Shawn Michaels is the world is now the world champion. And now we have an in your house DX uh, pay-per-view. So real quick, Graham, um, going, going to re- going to read you the card and a lot of names are going to pop up. Like, who is this? Um, they only had eight matches. Um, we don't one match Shawn Michaels and Ken Shanrock for the world title. Uh, we did have Stone Cold and The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship, which was like five minutes, which I don't know why. Um, Jeff Jarrett against the against the Undertaker. Wow. Um, Triple H against Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter is still wrestling in, in 1997. Um, the new age. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I, I remember c- watching that. It was awful. I mean, yeah, back then, you know, you probably, oh, Slaughter and Triple H. Now, 20 years later, man, Slaughter was on the car for 1997. Um, <laughs> new Age Outlaws against the Legion of Doom for the Tag Team Championship. Um, we had a tough man match. Butterbean against Mark Murrow. Yikes. And... That was awful, though. <laughs> we had Los Boricuas against the Disciples of Apocalypse in a six-man tag match, and Taka Michinoku against Brian Christopher for the light heavyweight championship. That was in your house, DX. <laughs> <laughs> when you brought it up to me before the show, the only thing I remembered was the main event with Michaels and Shamrock, which I remember being decent, but even that had a pretty abysmal finish. The rest of that card, 
I watched it only a few months ago, not like years ago or anything. It's on the network. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty forgettable card and one of the last real um, in-your-house pay-per-views before they kind of abandoned the concept a few years later and they started a backlash in Judgment Day and, and Unforgiven as regular events. Right. Yeah, not a good in-your-house. If there's any in your, if there's any one in-your-house pay-per-view to recommend to people, it would not be that one. It would be Canadian Stampede, which we talked about a few months ago. Oh, yeah. But it would not be D-Generation X. This was a pretty... Throwaway show if I've ever seen one. I did remember the Stone Cold uh, and the Rock going at it for the IC title. I, I did not know it was five minutes long. I do recall Stone. Yeah, that, that was good. That was good. Beyond that, it was very forgettable. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think Stone Cold drove the truck down down the aisle. Then he back body dropped yep. D'Lo, D'Lo Brown. And um, other than that, um, not so memorable. But I just feel you know if, it, it, in in context. The first pay per view in the post Bret Hart era, um, and again, you know the whole um, attitude era. He goes to WCW, and I think at this time, Bret is still not even not even on TV on Nitro or Thunder or nothing. So again, that's a whole different story. But um, for those who haven't seen it or never even heard of it, um, in your house, DX was 20 years ago today, uh, with the main event being Shawn Michaels against Ken Shamrock for the world title. Um, Graham, next week we'll do the Clash of Champions preview. I doubt any other anniversary to coming up. I'll check. But um, pretty much Clash is set with the card, five matches. If they add anything, we'll talk about it, and I know we'll preview it uh, more next week. But always great having you on. Again, Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report. Give him a, a shout and a follow on Twitter at Russell Rant, the host of Russell Rant Radio, and check out his his work and more on Bleacher Report. Graham, as always, thank you, man. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. The countdown to Christmas has begun, so have a great holiday season, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Catch you on the road, brother. All right.